0: This Wednesday. Uh Judy Green from the pregnancy center is gonna be up here and gonna speak. What'd you come up with after that? What are we doing? Because <laughs> you said she's about fifteen minutes. So you're gonna split back out in the class or you're gonna stay in here? I I don't I was gonna say I don't have a dog in that fight Wednesday night. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Anyway, so Judy's going to be here. <laughs> we encourage the entire church to be here with us Wednesday night. She's going to explain uh, the pregnancy center. I don't. We haven't done that in a long time. I don't think even since I've been here, we really haven't had somebody just come in, talk about the pregnancy center, what they do, what they offer, uh, and it's a it's a great resource, y'all. It's it's one of the greatest resources that uh, that we have here in the county uh, for for women. So. If you can be here, and for children, if you can be here Wednesday night, Judy Green will be here from the pregnancy center to discuss that. And um, because today's Mother's Day, the bottles are here. So between now and Father's Day, we'll be taking up the baby bottles. So take them home with you today, fill them up, keep bringing them in. If we run out, we'll call Judy. But we're already running low back there, which is good. Just remember to bring them back full. Uh, So baby bottles are out there, if you will, grab some and take with you uh, when you leave here this evening. Next Sunday, supper will be, supper will be and I, even, I put that right there, it says supper provided, and I moved right on. So supper will be provided Wednesday night, so come eat with us. Next week, uh, Next Sunday, I'm in revival next Sunday, day and night. I got to preach twice Sunday, and it's not here. It's in Warrensville. I'm going to Warrensville Baptist Church. If y'all remember uh, Wade singer that used to be our D.O.M. here, uh, I'm going to his church and preaching Sunday morning and then Sunday evening. Uh, service is going to be at ten o'clock. They do there's a little different. They do Sunday school at nine and preaching at ten. And so instead of having someone come here and fill in uh, because most of y'all, to my knowledge, are able to still watch online, um, I want to share the uh, the link with you for Warrensville Baptist Church and y'all can y'all can watch it live from home if you would like. So I'll send y'all the link. I'll put it on the Facebook page this week. And just go to their Warrensville Baptist Church Facebook page, and they live stream it during the service just like we do here. So y'all can watch it, and it'll be at 10 o'clock. And after that, y'all will do whatever. You're going to be home. I don't care what you do. Um, So next Sunday, I won't be here. I'll be at Warrensville. I'll be over in Ashe County. Good news. This little envelope right here has $725 worth the gift cards and, and things in it and cash Uh, for the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home for the food drive that we did last month. So we're about $275 short of the $1,000 goal. I didn't turn that in yet, just in case anybody wanted to give one more time before we turn this in, just bring it to me. If it's cash, I'll go get the card later this week. But if anybody wants to to give to that, let me know, uh, catch me after church, and we'll add to that. And the last thing, two two more things, I'm sorry. I'm not done yet. July 19th. That is a Monday, and we're going to start Bible school. That will be the time we set aside for Bible school. We did not do Bible school last year, and it absolutely killed me. And we already had something in mind for last year, and we're going to do it this year, Christmas in July. We're going to have fun with this one. We're going to be decorated for Christmas, and we're going to do Christmas in July. I'm so looking forward to this. So that will be July 19th. It will be a Monday night, and we'll uh, we'll give you more details on that later on but just set that on your calendar July 19th and last thing and I'll shut up and preach so the youth uh, Wednesday night made law enforcement survival kits to take up to the Sheriff's Department Um, we just had an idea because Cindy's a genius Um, it was jailer appreciation week or whatever that was last week jailer something for the Sheriff's Department so there's enough here to go between the jailers and the deputies so this will go to the jailers and the deputies, and we'll catch the dispatchers or this month as well. It's, di- it's a telecommunicator week, is sometime this month. Did you say 16? It has already been. It's EMS week. We're talking about. Okay, there's too much going on right now. So anyway, Cindy's going to take these up and deliver them to the sheriff's department for uh, for the youth. The youth on these Wednesday night. We really appreciate them uh, thinking of the officers and uh, uh, I, we appreciate the prayers that um, somebody. Somebody was read I think. Text me Thursday during the memorial service, and said, Don't know how y'all do it. It was prayer. There was absolutely no way that any of us could go through what we went through Thursday with the memorial service if it wasn't for prayer. Um, Preacher David rode with me, which is Chris Ward's dad. He rode with me to the service, and um, and we talked for uh, quite a bit. And there's no way that you can do, go through what they've gone through without prayer support. Uh, I've been with families before that's lost a loved one or a child due to a sickness but not someone that's been uh murdered the way that chris and logan was it's it's different uh it's a different type of emotion uh as i've talked about today in in bible or in uh, sunday school uh it's tough um but we appreciate the prayers and the support from this community as well it goes a long way It's, it's gone a long way and Preacher David was, we passed him on the bypass. He was already at the at the radio station this morning preaching, just like normal. He preached last Sunday. He's preaching today. Um, so just keep praying for Preacher David and, and the Fox family as well, and the Ward family. Uh, this morning, we're going to be over in Joshua chapter 2. Jo- I hope I got everything. My my little post-it note got filled up, so I hope I got everything mentioned. But we'll be over in Joshua chapter 2 this morning, and uh, we're going to... Being Mother's Day, I figured why not talk about a mother? And it's not your typical Mother's Day mother that we're gonna talk about this morning. We're gonna look at Boaz's mother, Rahab. And don't cringe. Everybody I figured everybody cringe over that one because we're gonna be talking about a prostitute on Mother's Day. Don't <laughs> don't let that bother you because she got cleaned up. All right, she became a great a great lady. And we're so we're gonna be looking at, at Boaz's mom, Rahab, this morning. Now over in, in Paris, if you've ever been over into Europe, in that area, you'll know that there's a lot of monuments. There's monuments everywhere you go over in Europe. They're actually here too, not just Europe. But everywhere we turn, when there's a great event takes place, or something big in history takes place, we tend to throw a monument up so that we can remember the, whatever took place, the, whether it be tragic or not. Uh, one of my goals this year, hopefully, before the baby gets here, is I want to go to New York and I want to go to the 9-11 Museum. I want to go see that. That's a great monument, great memorial for us to remember the fallen, and it being the 20-year anniversary this year, which is hard to believe, uh, I want to see that, but we have monuments. One of the things that I've looked at for the past two weeks now, or almost two weeks, is over at the Sheriff's Department, they have their fallen officers monument memorial outside the Sheriff's Department. Of course, it's it's uh, uh, got a ton of flowers and things on it now, but it's so that we can remember the fallen. Uh, I was thinking about over, over here in Newland. Uh, you have your Veterans Memorial out there in, in, the, in the square, and I love that thing. Uh, and it's so that we can remember those that served and protected us. Over in Paris, there's this uh, a memorial or a monument there called the Arc de Triomphe, and it's 164 feet tall, 148 feet wide. It is so big, the arch, in it is so big that uh, some stunt pilot turned his plane in and went straight through it years ago. It's a big, it's a big monument, and it's a monument there to help to remind those of the of the French that passed away or died during the French Revolutionary War. It's built back in like early 1800s, 1830, 33, something like that. So it's it's an old monument there, but it, it's to remind remind them of those that that died. Uh, and sacrifice there in the French French Revolutionary War. But all over Europe, all over the u s, all over the places that you go, you will find a monument to help remind people to uh, about the sacrifice or things that have taken place in life. And in the Bible, we have these same monuments for us to remember. There are monuments, not physical monuments. Now there are some monuments. So when you go over into Israel, they are they do have uh, monuments set up to remember certain things that took place in the Bible. Uh, and one of the things that... Uh, um, what was the name? Josephus, his mom. I just lost her name. Anyway, she went over, and, uh, over in Israel, and she placed churches over all the historic locations where things took place. So and They were Catholic, though. That's the bad part. But they had all these uh, churches placed on top of these uh, areas where great biblical things took place. So we have monuments in our lives and the bible has them too to remind us of things so uh some of the things i was thinking of this week where we have monuments when you go in the bible and you read it you go back and and you look at the the triumphing over death and that was with enoch enoch didn't die remember that that's something to remember enoch didn't die he him and god strolling down the road one day and god said oh we're closer to my home than your home so let's just go on to my house and so he took him on up with him so enoch didn't die. He went another route to heaven. We see uh, faith triumphing over death uh, with Enoch. We see faith triumphing over uh, infirmity. That's Abraham and Sarah, In their old age was able to conceive and have a son. Finally, have that son, and we see faith triumphing over affection. Abraham. What did Abraham do? He took his son Isaac up on the mountain, and he raised that knife, and he was going to slay him because God told him to. And what did God do? He provided the ram in the thicket. So we see a triumph here over affection. Then there's so many more in the Bible. I mean, I could have listed that and, and never stopped. But now we have Boaz's mom. We have Rahab. And now we're going to see how faith can overcome sin. Believe it or not, our faith can overcome sin. And what a sinner she was. But we're going to look at this this morning. Um, Through her story, we're going to see how faith can triumph over that. Hebrews 11, 31 says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Rahab is an example of the grace of God at work. The grace of God. When you have someone at her level, when you have, again, she was a harlot according to the Bible, which is a prostitute, is what we call them now. When you have somebody that sin sick, get saved. That's a picture of God's grace. That is something that we can't comprehend. She is someone that that we should be using as an example. When people say, I'm too mean, I'm too bad, I can't be saved, yes, you can. You look at her, you look at Paul, you look at some of the others in the Bible that just had this dirty, nasty history of being a sinner, and then God can change their hearts. God will change your heart. He will soften your heart. That's what God does. And we're going to talk about that after a while, too, about what he can do with your life and with your heart. So we have this harlot here. Her salvation was not based on her character. By no means was it based on her character. That's not how salvation is based anyway. I want you to think about some things. I had. There's a lot about her that's in the Bible that, that you can find pretty easily. She lived in a a doomed city, so we're going to look at Jericho after a while as well. But she lived in a doomed city of Jericho. She practiced sinful profession. We know she is a prostitute. Engaged in rebellious activities and lied about her actions. But she acted upon faith, and what happened? She was spared from judgment. When you act upon your faith, when you turn your life to Jesus, when you turn your life to God like Rahab did, your life will be spared from judgment. And I'm not talking about here on earth. I'm talking about the judgment of God, the wrath of God that will come down on each one of us. Bible tells us every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess because we're all going to face God at some point in our lives. Whether we go by the grave or by the rapture, we're going to face God standing just right in front of him. We're going to face it. Rahab. Then not here depart from me, for I know you not. Rahab got to hear, well done, a good and faithful servant, because she acted upon her faith. She put her faith in God, and she changed her lifestyle. She became something great. Folks, she became the great-great-grandma of King David, which means she is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's a great thing when you look at, Someone as bad as she was in the beginning and to turn out to be in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Folks, if that don't tell you that God can change you, I don't know what will. God can change the evilest of evil. He can change the hardest of hearts. He can change you if you just let him change you. But you've got to come to him in faith. Rahab came to God in faith. And he used these two spies as messengers. And we'll talk about that reading James here after a while. But he used these two spies as messengers. Here was a woman who was transformed by faith. A terrible woman from the beginning—terrible, absolutely nasty, filthy woman. You would have never thought she would ever make it to heaven. But by faith, she changed her ways. She was a pagan living in this spiritually dark world. She lived in, a, in the in the wall around town. There, she her her home was in in the wall, and she lived. This, in the spiritually dark world, because of the profession that she was in, it was just so dark. And it, to me, it's with that profession, it would be just like someone that, that's into, into gambling or, or uh, alcohol or drugs or something like that because it's a spiritually dark world that they live in because of the sin that they're living in. So that's what she's in. She's in the spiritually dark world. She was a harlot living in, in just sinful wickedness. Uh, a Canaanite. And she was bound for destruction because, again, of the type of lifestyle that she was living. She was transformed, though. She was so transformed that she married a prince, a prince of Israel, Salmon. Again, that's the father of Boaz. She became the great-great-grandmother of King David. I told you that. So she went from, and I like these. This is what one of my commentaries, the way he said it was great. He said, she went from a child of hell to a citizen of heaven, A shady lady to a shiny star, a call girl to a converted girl. She was transformed by grace of God. But how did it happen? That's what we're going to look at this morning is how it happened. I love this story. This story is almost a a mirror image of most of us, not the prostitute side of it, but I'm just saying the sinful side of it, because of the sinful nature that we had and how as Christians we are converted through faith. By faith in Jesus Christ, we are converted. So we're going to read this real quick and talk about the uh, these these spies and the witness that they were. If you got your Bible open to Joshua chapter two, stand with me. Starting in verse one, Joshua two one. Again, this is Rahab and the spies. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, "Go." View the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men and hither to not of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they become to search out all the country. And the women took the two men, I'm sorry, the woman took the two men and hid them and said, Thus there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out, whither the men went and wot not uh, pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax Which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after the way to Jordan and to the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites, and were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts didn't melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now, therefore, I pray you, swearing to me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life your for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. uh, I'm sorry, verse 15 says, Then she let down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, we will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it came to, and it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, Th- his blood shall be upon his head and we will be guiltless and whosoever shall be with thee in the house his blood shall be on our head if any hand be upon him and if thou utter this our business then we will be quite of thine oath which thou hast made us to swear and he said or and she said sorry according unto your words so be it and she sent them Away, And they departed and she bound the scarlet line in the window and they went and came into the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned and the pursuers sought them throughout all the way but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told them all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands All the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country, do faint because of us. I know that's a lot to read, but we need to get the whole story in there. Keith, will you open us up in prayer, please? Amen. You can have a seat. You didn't pass out while you're standing. If I want to read those long ones, I need to tell you all not to lock your knees. I'm afraid one of these days somebody's going to pass out reading that. I love this story, folks. This is again, this is a picture of us. We may not have lived. All right, let me back up here. I say this often, I know, but man puts sin on a scale, and we say stealing a sheet of paper. Is not that bad a sin, but murder is a terrible sin. But in God's eyes, it's all equal. In his eyes, it's equal. So you have Rahab, who's a prostitute, which is a sinner. But the rest of us are sinners too. We might not be on man's scale of sin, that level of a prostitute, but we're still all sinners like Rahab. We can all be converted the same as Rahab. We can all change our ways just as Rahab. We can all go away from this sin-filled life, this sin life that we live just like Rahab. We can change. We can be changed. Our hearts can be changed. Our ways can be changed. We can be changed from the sinful life that we're living, just like Rahab. But we got to have that faith. We got to have the faith that she had that we will be changed, that we can be changed. That's what salvation, when we get on this altar and we ask God to forgive us, we're putting our faith in him to change us, to, to forgive us, and to change us from that sin-filled life. As Keith said, it's not automatic. The only thing automatic about, the I'm talking about the changes, the only thing automatic about our change is our destination. When we say, Jesus, I need you to come in my heart, Jesus, I need you to save me, and he does it automatically, our destination changes right then from hell to heaven, right then, now, We're a work in progress after that. We are, just like you said, chipping away. It's like a mason chipping away at a rock. We are a work in progress until we go home. Until we make it to heaven, we're always, the Lord's still always working on us, always working on me. Can you imagine, the first thing we're going to look at this morning is she was convicted by the Holy Spirit. Yes, she was convicted. This is Old Testament. And we talk about this in the Old Testament. We don't see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament that often. She was convicted by the Holy Spirit. She was convicted by God to change her ways. That's what happened to her. She got under conviction. I like it when you become under conviction. I love to see somebody under conviction. You ever watch anybody under conviction they squirm? Oh, how they squirm. They can't handle it. They sit in the pew, and they wiggle, and they jiggle a little bit, and they can't wait to get out the door because they're convicted. Convicted of something, of a sin, sins salvation something something's getting them well she's convicted of her lifestyle so can you imagine such a sinful woman making a statement of faith I can I can see that I have watched revivals I have seen revivals when that thing took place in Burlington a couple years ago the the type of people that showed up and were saved I mean ex-cons i'm talking about some of the worst of the worst people coming to know jesus so yeah i can see that i can see someone making a statement of faith like rahab did she had been she had been a sinner she died a sinner but a sinner saved by grace but who had been working on her you look at big old jericho you got this big old city fortified city lots of people in this city most of them pagan just like her and they're the way they're worshiping they're not worshiping our god so who was working on her what was working on her to con, to have her under conviction holy spirit that's the only that's the only answer i got for you right now the holy spirit god knew god knew her and and planned on using her Do you think that it was by chance that God sent those spies to just happen upon Rahab's house? Nope. I don't believe in chance. I believe that that was divine. I believe that was divine. I believe that was of God right there. God sent the spies directly to Rahab's house. He had a plan. It was orchestrated. That's how God does it. He orchestrates things. He puts things together. He has a plan, and he it may be a whole loop to us. It might be a whole big old tangled up mess. Might look like Paisley's new fishing pole. Every time we cast it out, it just goes. Line goes everywhere. That's what God's plan looks like to us a lot of times. A big old bird's nest of a of a fishing pole. But in God's heart. That's exactly what needs to happen. That bird's nest uh, fishing line is perfect in his eyes. He says, that's how it's going to get done. I'm going to send these two spies to a prostitute. I'm going to send these two godly men to an ungodly woman. And we're going to use her in a great way. And she's going to be saved along the line, along the way. These men were—I don't, I don't remember who put it like this—but uh, somebody wrote that these men were like guided, like a guided missile, God sent right to the heart and home of a woman that had been that he had been preparing. All over this country, right now, all over this county. I'm going to—I'm going to step it down a little bit. I'm not going to say country. I'm going to say county. All over this county, right now, Avery County, right now, this very moment. The Holy Spirit is working in the hearts of people. Right now, this very moment, there are people sitting at home right now, not at church, but they're sitting at home, and the Holy Spirit is working on their hearts right now. He may be working on somebody's heart right now in the churches, I hope. But right now, the Holy Spirit is doing a great work. Right now, this very moment, the Holy Spirit is softening up somebody's heart this very moment the Holy Spirit is making somebody's heart just a little bit more tender and a little bit more tender he's working on somebody right now that's what he does he works on us and that's where our conviction comes from God wants you to be so led by the Holy Spirit that that hungry heart that's out there that tender heart that's out there that he wants to send some helpful soul winner out there to be a witness to them that's what happened to Rahab Rahab her heart got tenderized by the Holy Spirit her heart got softened by God and he sent these two messengers out there to be a witness to her to help her along the way we need those witnesses we need those brothers and sisters we need those godly people in our life we need to be those godly people in someone's life because the Holy Spirit is working on them. John 6, says, no man can come up to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him. You don't, folks, you just don't make it to heaven on your own. You are drawn. That salvation, uh, it, the Holy Spirit is drawing you into that salvation, but the Holy Spirit is not just drawing that person into salvation the holy spirit is working on someone to be a witness to them the, the holy spirit is drawing that messenger those spies into that person's life that needs salvation so the holy spirit's working on the sinner and softening up their heart but the holy spirit's also working on the christian to be that witness to them and to do what it pray for them give their testimony give them a hug give them a prayer do something but he's drawing them together out there he's preparing a heart and right here probably inside this church he's preparing a messenger who's the messenger it could be any one of us right now somebody you work with their heart's being softened right now someone you go to school with their heart is being softened right now the holy spirit is working on you to be that messenger not a spy a messenger he's working on someone here this morning to be a messenger mind spirit if he's drawing you to somebody you go to that person Rahab was converted and experienced that saving faith because the Holy Spirit had been working on her and the Holy Spirit God sent them messengers God sent those messengers number two she was convinced by the word by the word. Now, after the, the spies explained the rules for her and her, her family's salvation, this is what she says. According unto your words, so be it. So be it. She did not argue. She knew what had to happen. She was convicted, and she was convinced by the word. By the word. Right here it is. Can you believe that? Have you can you believe that you can read something and be convicted? Can you believe that you can pick up the Word of God and read, I don't care what you read, but you can read this and be convicted? You ever read this? You ever just cracked it open and it just worked on your heart? You ever just laid open one of the pages here and shed a tear because it hits so close to home? That's what it does. The Word of God convicts and convinces the word of God is, what is being should be preached out there to convict hearts. When it's read, it should convict us. James calls these two men right here messengers. I love it. So we read it. Joshua, Old Testament, calls them spies. But James says they're messengers. James 2.25 says, Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? They were more than spies. They were spokesmen. They were sent by God. They were spokesmen of God and used to help this woman and her family. They were speaking God's word. That's what a spokesman of God would do. That's what a Christian does. We speak God's word. We speak truth. That is what we're supposed to do is speak truth. We are supposed to be speaking truth out of the word of God. So be a good spokesman. Rahab had faith, so she said, so be it according to the word. So what is real biblical faith? Man, I've looked up so many definitions of real biblical faith, and I've come to the conclusion that we can all define it our own way. What is faith to you? I can tell you what my, my definition of faith is, but my definition and your definition may be a little different. What is faith? What is faith to you? It's not confidence. It's not positive thinking. It's not wishing on a star. It's not leaping into the darkness, but it is stepping into the light. That's what faith is stepping into light. I'm not going to take a nose dive into darkness, I'm going to go places that I can see. And that's the light. That would be Jesus. That's my lot. That's the lot that I'm going towards. Real faith is taking God at his word. If you don't believe what God says, I hope you're getting convicted. Because what God says is the absolute truth. His promises have never been broken and will never be broken. Take God at his word. Faith is your response to the word of God. Brother Derek Wilson, if y'all watched that memorial service, I love that man. He ordained me. It's pretty rough, wasn't it? He, or, I, I, he laid it out there for both of us. <laughs> He—well, I can't remember what he said something about, you need to highlight this. Remember, we, we went into the ordination service. I didn't have a highlighter. And he said, you need to mark this in your Bible. And next thing I know, a little marker came over my shoulder, and I was highlighting like the Dickens. Preacher Derek preached the Word of God Thursday at that memorial service. And he said something. He quoted scripture that goes right along with us today Romans 10 17. So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You've got to hear it. You need to hear it. There ain't many people I know of that have been saved and, and scripture wasn't quoted, scripture wasn't preached, scripture wasn't taught. It is the Scripture. It is this, is, this is what convicts us. When this is read, how many people are saved by John 3.16? How could you not be saved by here in John 3.16? For God so loved the world. that He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How does that not stir you? How does that not get you excited? How does that not save you? Ain't it beautiful? Ain't it? Ain't that? Ain't the word? Of, ain't it just beautiful? I just, I absolutely love it. I love to hear the word of God. It's important that you listen to the voice of God. It's important that you read the word of God because that's where you're going to hear Him speak to you. He talks to you. You crack that thing open if you see if He don't talk to you. You see, if he don't convict you, you'll, you'll see it. He's going to speak to you while you're reading it. I can read scripture all day long, and it might not do much for me because it's not needed in that time in my life. But I'll eventually come across something that I need to hear. And it's almost like God sitting right beside me. He just elbows me real hard and said, there it is. That's for you. But you've got to read it. You've got to be in it. You've got to listen for that voice. listen to Him. It's important that your heart be tuned into the Word of God. It's important that you spend time with Him. It's important that you read the Word of God and let it saturate your heart. It's very important that you stay in the Word of God. I said it a couple weeks ago, I know, but if you're in the Word of God, you're reading the Word of God, you're listening to the Word of God, you're listening to God, then when time of trouble comes, you're going to know what God's voice sounds like. When you get into trouble, you're going to know the difference between the devil's voice and God's voice. Cuz you know, the devil can deceive you. The devil can he can say things that sound pretty sweet. But you need to be able to discern the two types of voice. God's voice and his voice. By reading the word of God, you're going to know whose voice you're hearing. You'll never have faith until you begin to listen to God. You got to hear it. You got to feel it. Number 3 Rahab was converted by the blood, converted by the blood. Now, if you look at Joshua 2.21 again, she says at the end of it, it says, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. They told her to bind that scarlet line in her window. When they see it, they would pass over her house. That sounds a little familiar, don't it? That's just a few books back. Heard the same thing about having that blood applied to the lintel to the the doorpost. The blood, blood of the lamb, I was, let me back up over to Exodus 12. If they just apply that blood of that sacrificial lamb on the doorpost and lintel, then that death angel will just pass on by. And so these spies told her to do the same thing, not with blood, but that scarlet line that she used to lower them down out of the wall. They said, if you will just take that and line it around your window, that will be enough for us. That's your mark. I think it's been, how are you, Paisley? Ten, it'll be ten a few weeks. So it's been ten years ago that I was in Alabama. A tornado come through, destroyed Pleasant Grove and a bunch of uh, other towns there in, in Alabama. And I, I got to go with work and, and and help clean up some of those places. One of the hardest things for me to do when I went in there <clears throat> was mark the doors because they pulled me in, they, they, they pulled me f- away from doing the cleanup because of my background in emergency services. They said, can you help us find bodies? And so I got to go help them locate bodies. And one of the hardest things to do was to mark doors. And so I would go in with the, that orange upside down spray paint that you use to mark roads and stuff, and I would go through and I'd, I, would, I would make a X on the door. And each section of that X stood for something. The bottom one, whatever number was in the bottom of that X stood for the number of bodies in that in that house. And I think about Rahab, and I go back into Exodus, and I think about that blood that's applied to those doors, and what that means. That means a lot. So, in my case, my numbers show death. their case that blood means life when they take that blood and they was applying it across that little cross that them doorpost, that meant life for them. That meant that death angel would pass by. That meant that when God came into Jericho and to, over just took it over and destroyed that place, that family would survive that household would be survive, would survive because of the blood had been applied. Now, the blood wasn't applied, per se, like it was in Exodus, but the color, that scarlet red, represented that blood and said, you put that there, and we're going to pass by. When I see that blood, I'll pass over you. When I see that scarlet line, I'll pass over you. Rahab was saved from destruction because she had enough faith in God to hang that red rope over her window. She had faith in God. It don't sound like much, does it? Just put a piece of red out there on your your window and and we'll just pass on by. Don't sound like a lot of work, does it? doesn't sound like something that would even work. It just sounds too simple, don't it? That sounds like simple salvation. Put this little string around your window and I'll save you. God said, I'll send my only begotten son to save you. I'll 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 have my only begotten son die on that cross for you. I'll have my son shed his blood for you and you can apply it to your life. You can apply it to your heart and you'll be saved. Simple faith, simple salvation. All you got to do is apply it. Just apply it and you're saved. I'm going to go through some uh this, was re- this is the neat part. I, I've, I've loved this studying this right here, but I found some stuff that I thought was really neat this week, and it's talking about the scarlet line that runs through the Bible. So we talk about the scarlet line here with Rahab, but this scarlet line runs from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning to the end. The very first thing we look at, that scarlet line was in the Garden of Eden when God made coverings of skin for Adam and Eve. That scarlet line began with the sacrifice of an animal to make clothing for Adam and Eve. He had to shed that blood of an innocent animal. Abel offered his lamb. And God had respect towards that lamb instead of Cain's vegetables. So there you see more shedding of blood. You still see that line running right there. Abraham offering up the sacrifice of Isaac. What did God do? God provided that ram in the thicket. That blood shed there. There's that, lineage, or there's that line going again he provided that ram if you go back and you look at the old testament all the tabernacles what do you see on all in all the altars in the tabernacles shed blood and god plainly told us he said without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin that blood line is running all the way through the bible and it's continuing today we're not having to shed blood we don't do sacrifices anymore and we're talking about something. Jesus ain't even died yet. We're looking at the Old Testament. Jesus ain't even died yet. All these Old Testament symbols and, and tops and figures were just foreshadowing the blood redemption of Jesus. His sacrifice on the cross for us. It's just foreshadowing it. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Rahab sinned come short of the glory of God. You have sinned. I have sinned. We've all sinned. Every single one of us. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. There ain't enough Clorox and Ajax in this world to get rid of our sin. What was it, Jeff Foxworthy said? The spit of a mother would take the rest off a bumper? Not even a mother's spit can erase that sin. (laughs) Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's no other way. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. I love it. There's a fountain filled with blood. I love that drawn from Emmanuel's vein that's Jesus folks it says and sinners plunge beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains (laughs) that's because of the blood it ain't nothing that we have done it's what he's done because of of her transformation Rahab's transformation she's not known as a harlot anymore but the great-great-grandma of King David don't make sense does it that's God's grace that's what God's grace can do for us she's in the bloodline of Jesus now she's in God's hall of fame now because of grace James made her an example for those who are justified he made a great example of her what a woman what a woman she was because of faith because of the grace of God I want to read this and I'm gonna, i want to we'll close out here in just a minute one of my books said this. He said, the scarlet line of mercy God has flung out the windows of heaven can save us from death. And then he asked a question. Is the scarlet line of the cross over your soul? Is it over your home and your household? That scarlet line, I thought the cords on one of these was red. But I was thinking about these cords here on the, I'll probably destroy this these cords that's what i think of when i think about that line that she had it's a rope red rope that she used that red rope let me tell you what that red rope means to me when i got to see the tabernacle the miniature version of the tabernacle in jerusalem they were hung up on ropes. Oh, that's the wrong word to say. I'm sorry. They were using, they were talking about ropes a lot. I was getting ready to say hung up on ropes. <laughs> they were using ropes a lot and white ropes. And I said, why, why do they keep talking about these white ropes? What's so important about a white rope? Why a white rope back in the Old Testament? They would always take the sheep in with white rope. But they would keep that rope around that thing's neck till after the sacrifice. have Y'all ever seen what happens to a white rope when there's blood on it? It ain't white no more. It's red. It's a red rope. It's a scarlet rope. That's what I think of when I think of Rahab's rope, that those spies had climbed down, that she lowered them down with. That rope signified the blood that was shed for our salvation, The blood that was shed on the cross for each one of us. Those ropes, those red ropes, that red rope, I'll just say that one, saved her family, her household, her father, her mother, her brothers, her sisters, her entire family was saved because she had faith in God. Women, mothers, y'all have a huge role to play. the lives of our children your children and the children of this church when you are like Rahab and you have faith in God it shows and it trickles down y'all the women are an inspiration to a lot of young ladies in this church my girls other young ladies here too and I appreciate y'all greatly. Y'all don't, y'all don't understand how much I appreciate y'all. And we don't thank you enough for, for the way you stand and for what you do for this church and for our young our young children, not just the girls of the church, but the, the young, young boys as well. Y'all make a huge difference in this church. And I thank y'all from the bottom of my heart for where you stand and for the faith that you have in God. Because we can all see it. We can see your faith. And we appreciate that. If y'all will stand with me just a moment. I'm burning up. Carolyn, you're freezing, ain't you? I had to turn the fan on. I'm going to have to get one of those nurses to dab my head up here on Sundays. (laughs) Or Mike can sit there at the palm leaf and he can just fan me a little bit. Get Mike on one side and Nat on the other. I appreciate y'all a bunch. I, I appreciate the ladies here at the church. And uh, I know last year was rough. We didn't get to do as much. And, and hopefully we'll get back on our feet this year and start getting uh, more involved with our kids again like we used to. I know that's always been our our heart was to, to help our children here. and um, It's it's starting. We're finally getting back on it with the Wednesdays and things. So. We'll just keep praying. I appreciate the, the, the ladies putting up with me and, um, again, for being an inspiration to the the young ladies of this church. Y'all mean a lot to us, and I uh, appreciate y'all. I hope y'all have a great Mother's Day. Don't cook, whatever you do. Mike, I hope you're frying up something big. No, no rabbit? No. Travis is greening back here. Hopefully Travis is cooking something. No, okay. Y'all are really bad examples. Maria made pasta salads. I <laughs> can't say anything either. I didn't make anything. But I'm going to go eat it. That's for sure. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, this evening as we close out, we want to thank you for um, for saving grace. We want to thank you for faith. We want to thank you for that that mercy. Lord, we want to thank you for that love. We thank you so much for the women of this church. Lord, we thank you for the mothers that are represented here today, the grandmothers, the aunts. Those ladies that are in this church, Lord, that have raised up another generation whether on their own or with the help of someone else lord they have they've had their hands full i know that they've got uh, a lot of irons in the fire nowadays with working and all that that has to be done but lord they are they're an inspiration to so many people and i pray today that that we just take the time to thank them and honor them for the job that they have done and are doing and lord again i can't thank them enough for what they're doing inside these church walls and i pray that we would continue to to utilize their faith to help strengthen the faith of the church and those children that are here as well. And, God, we just want to thank you again for all that you're doing inside this church. And, Lord, just thank you so much for allowing us to, to get back in here and start going about your business the way that we used to. And I pray, Lord, you just bless our time together here. We love you and we praise you all. Let's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you ladies, have a great Mother's Day, and I'll see you back here in the morning.